Hi, this is Adam Hastings, and you're listening to the Cherry Jam Podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode 10, series 5 of Cherry Jam. Myself, Ed Price, and Jim Harley. Uh, just us two this week. Um, varying degrees of, of, uh, of other, other things going on. Um, so uh, it is just us two. It's a shame because, obviously, we'd like to... Uh, have a bit more chat around the World Cup final, but I'm sure we can catch up with the other guys in a few weeks' time. Uh, but we will be talking about the World Cup final, uh, the third, fourth playoff. Not that Jim or I actually saw any of it, I don't think. Um, and uh, not live, anyway. And then also Gloucester's, um, yeah, return to form, maybe. I don't know how you would describe it. Just pretty awfulness against Saracens on Friday night. We will start, though, however, with the World Cup final on Saturday. Um, South Africa achieved the double or the back-to-back I should say repeating what New Zealand did uh, in 2011 and 2015 Um, South Africa to win the World Cup had to play Scotland Ireland France England and New Zealand um, which is a remarkable achievement and only lost one of those games I should say Um, uh, yeah a remarkable achievement won their all their knockout games by a single point on every occasion Um, and um probably just deserved it jim i don't know let's let's talk oh, about the game i don't think you can um you, you you can't say that they didn't deserve it based on the rugby that was played in yes. that final mm. um they absolutely um just dominated collisions they were far more physical than new zealand and they totally stopped new zealand playing that kind of expansive um offloading skillful game that um, New Zealand are so dangerous at, and you know, in a way, I think even the red card might not have made any difference. I mean, obviously, it's impossible to know, but yeah, um, I I think they they've got such a ridiculous belief, like mm. they really they just they think they're unbeatable, they really do, and you know, like you say, they. They won all their knockout games by a po- single point. Um, they, they they really had no right to beat France. Um, no. And it's kind of, and I think that that possibly the that was the the game that they were probably got the most luck in. Maybe you know that's that's the one that I think. Um, France will look back at and go, bloody hell, how did we lose that game? Whereas England will look back and go, my God, we did well to only lose by a point. And New Zealand will look back and go, well, we really didn't play anything like our best rugby. Um, So, yeah, fair play to them. Um, Annoying as it is, because, you know, it would have been nice to, um, I, I mean, I know you were a little bit, um, anti-Irish, uh, not wanting them <laughs> to be gloating too much, but I would have loved to have seen um, a new name on the trophy, be it yeah. um, be it Ireland or France. But when it comes when it comes to it, um, you know, New Zealand and South Africa, the cream really does rise to the top, and they are when it comes to knockout World Cup rugby, they are the two best um, best in the world. You know, they've got. Um, well, what is it? There's been eight World Cups that uh, South Africa have been involved in, and they've won four of them. Yeah, that that's a pretty good success rate. Um, so, yeah, F- fair play to them. 
and it's the lot. I mean, this is the trouble with a four-year cycle. It is, it's kind of yeah, same as the Olympics, isn't it? If if you if you narrowly miss out, it is a long road to to get back into it and and have another stab at it. And obviously, um, there's going to be a lot of players that retire. Um, obviously, we'll talk about a couple that have announced it recently. Yeah. Um, there'll be there'll be a couple more in the next four years for sure. Um, so that. <laughs> It's kind of one of those things, isn't it? It's like Mark Cavendish retired, didn't quite get the record that he thought he was going to get, came out of retirement, you know, hoping that he's maybe going to get get another win. Um, and you can you can see that maybe rugby players are a little bit like that. They kind of, uh, oh yeah, I'll, I'll keep pushing on, keep pushing on. I reckon I might be all right for that squad. And this is where coaches need to be a little bit... Um, a little bit harsh and say, "Thanks, but no thanks." We're going to rebuild. We're going to we're going to sacrifice six, six Nations or a Rugby Championship, and and build a build a, build a squad for four years time. Yeah, I I mean the 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 thing with um the final, I thought generally, as you said, the the cream roast at top. I mean, it is incredibly fine margins though. If you think about the 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 likes of Ireland, France, and England were within a point or two. Yeah, um, and probably like five minutes, you know, five minutes of additional play. Mm. Oh, I mean, just really, certainly, it's certainly single for the mistakes, case of France, really. Certainly for the case um, for France, certainly the case for um, for Ireland. Mm. If those games had gone on another five minutes, the lead would have changed again. I'm quite, quite sure of it. Yeah, and yeah. I'd even say even the final. You, you felt that New Zealand probably would have got one. It was it was actually remarkable. They didn't get a chance um, to go for a drop goal or to get a penalty or something yeah. like that. You well, kind of expected that to happen. They they are, are no doubt ruining their missed opportunities uh, in the first half, where they had a yeah. lot of uh, a lot of three point opportunities, and kind of you think early on in the game, go for the points. You know, it's it's not just a test match. It is the World Cup final. Yeah, um, tensions are high, um, and they left they left points they left points out there. So they've um, they, they kind of only got themselves to blame. Um, and obviously, some some Kiwis are trying to blame the officials. See that uh, Wayne Barnes' wife was moaning again about all the death threats and another. Uh, other issues that um, that her and Wayne and the family have been have been getting, which is just horrendous. Yeah. Um, clearly, um, even though you know he gave he gave a yellow card for something that was absolutely a yellow card and obviously a red. Um, he didn't. He, it wasn't even him that awarded the red anyway. Um, no. That's the that's that's the bunker. Um, but yeah, it wasn't even I the thought, TMO. The it official, was the bunker. Yeah, I thought I thought the officials did a great job. Uh, and I don't think there was any real contentious decision. You know, you you, you couldn't um, you couldn't say that there was any um, any 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 big problems there. Certainly, no, I yeah. mean the, the the ones that I think I've seen regarding the um, uh, there was a there was a query around the try. Um, was did it go forward from Talea? Probably not. It didn't look like it went flat to me. No, I mean the the hand definitely was a backward kind of yeah. movement, and then there was a one angle where you went, "Oh, actually," mm. Mm. but I think that's that's one of those. And to be fair, Wayne is notorious for 
you know, if if, if a pass is a bit 50-50, you'll let it go. Um, yeah, and, and they checked it anyway. I mean, they, they, yeah. Yeah, they checked it really quickly. TMO looked at it and and they gave the try. Um, I think the only the only contentious bit, and I think uh, Barnes apologised himself, was there was a penalty against Surveyor in the first half um, where he gave it for not releasing. And I think he actually apologised to Surveyor as uh, Pollard was shaping up to take the kick um, and said, look, you know, from what I saw on at, at the time, there wasn't clear enough release. You know, I think it was it was one of those split second. Yeah, um, which which you know technically is a release, but at the same time, you know you see players putting their hands above their heads, don't you? Like big mm. big release, make it very obvious, and you kind of you've you, you've got to be like that sometimes when when it's when it's also quick. If you get your hands up and back down again, I mean you can do that. I mean it's like half a second, which might be too long because then you've lost your opportunity, but then it makes it very, very clear that, that there has been a release or you weren't even involved in the tackle before you jackal. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of one of those things, isn't it? If, 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 you're, if you're being that, that quick and that sharp on the breakdown, then actually you're probably going to get pinged a little bit for, for that sort of not release type, uh, type penalty. Yeah, and, and to be fair, I mean, look, they weren't the reasons why New Zealand lost. Um, if we look at it, New Zealand have got the worst. Uh, I think they're the worst discipline in the in the in the tournament. Two red cards, five yellow cards across the tournament, um, and yeah, fundamentally, that's that's going to cost you at some they, point. They could have they could have had two reds in that in that game. Yeah, I thought. I mean, the one on the one on um, Frizzell, I thought was fair enough. I thought that was a yellow card because he clearly wasn't aiming for the leg. It was just clumsy, and he landed on the leg. But, um, but, God, I mean, if if you were going to plan to injure a player, yeah, agreed. In the first five ten minutes. I mean, how many minutes in were we? Six or seven minutes? I think six minutes. If that, yeah. Um, you know, if you're if you're going to plan to in, oh oh, they've only got the one hooker. And the mm. other one's pretty rubbish at the line out, which is a bit of a weapon for them potentially. Let's see if we can, you know. And I'm not, I'm not suggesting for one moment that that was kind of part of their, part of their thought process. But what what doesn't happen is it is the the effect that that had on the game. I think was really significant actually, um, because South Africa lost a lot of line outs. Yeah, and. And you know, yes. Let's let's assume let's let's assume it was a totally innocent um, kind of accidental situation which resulted in that injury, um, and therefore the yellow card was the right decision. It definitely it it you know it it impacted New Zealand for ten minutes. It impacted South Africa for for seventy minutes. Yeah, seventy minutes. Although, although, we'll... <laughs> oh, yeah, we can, we can talk about that. <laughs> yeah, good old Razzie. Um, uh, I mean, let's be honest. It, it, when it when they announced that it was a tactical decision and not an injury, um, I think everybody around the around the world who were watching that game went, mm, "That's an injury." I'm pretty sure you're playing funny game buggers. It but, almost certainly will mean that that's going to be a loophole that will be yeah, closed. Be closed because. Let's be honest, right? Why would you say it's an injury ever? 
Yeah. That there is there is absolutely no benefit in ever saying that that player is injured and that's why I'm substituting them. You would just say, well, I've decided to substitute them. And like I said on the WhatsApp, it's like, well, yeah, it's, it's not because he's injured I'm substituting him. It's because of his injury that he is not playing as well as I wanted him to. And yes. Therefore, I am substituting him for someone else that I believe will play better than him. Yeah. And, but if that player gets a concussion uh, or an HIA, he can come back on. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and yeah, that, that takes us back down to Bloodgate and all sorts yeah. of things. Because yeah. the, the, there was a few things about the fact that if, if Bongi had, because it's basically saying that um, if the only way then Bongi could come back on was an injury. Now, the argument being is, how do you determine what an injury is? Because you have to have a front row. And if Bongi is, if Bongi is physically fit to come back on the pitch, which I don't think he was, um, I think if then... he, I think if he was good for the last ten minutes, there would have been some sort of hamstring gone, and he'd have come on for the last ten minutes. And yeah, yeah, yeah. probably been an investigation, and then they'd probably been given a fine or something, and yeah. they wouldn't have cared because they'd already they, they won the up. World Cup. Yeah, um, but I, and I, I think you're right, Ed. I think the, the the loophole will kind of be be dealt with, and and I think. I mean, in a way, let's just do away with that silliness. And um, why not? I don't. I don't want to go down the road of like interchanges, like rugby league. But no, I think know, especially with this... front front rows. It's yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a funny one because what we don't want to see is we don't want to see a player playing twenty minutes getting substituted, and then another player doing twenty minutes, have a break, twenty minutes, then get re like then substitute back. So you've got um an unrealistic so basically your, your your front row are these massive guys that are unrealistically big because they don't need to be fit because they're only playing for 20 minutes at a time rather than yeah. 40 minutes then you get your quarter of an hour and then you're playing for another 40 minutes and you know let's hark back to the the good old days of the amateur rugby where you only ever got substituted if you were injured and everyone stayed on the pitch for 80 minutes if they were still fit. It's kind of... Yeah, yeah. I think that that's the issue, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's one of those things that we, you hear quite often about the fact that do, should we actually do away with um, substitutions in certain instances? So it has to be... It, the only reason you can be substituted is for an injury. It can't be a tactical but that, replacement. But that can't be policed. No, and that, that's that, the problem. That so you, 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 that's that's what they're that's what they're suggesting. And this, the issue you've got here is that it's very, it's a peculiarity of the fact that it's a front row player. If it had been a winger, they wouldn't have tried it because, you know, fundamentally, there's no point. You, you, if, if the guy's done his hamstring or the guy's done his knee, he isn't going to be able to run up and down the wing. The fact that you need that that replacement front row to stop you going down to uh, 14 men with an uncontested scrum. Um, you know, that's that's basically what what they're looking and, at. And actually, if his knee was strong enough to be there in a scrum, mm. you know, if he's if he, struggling to walk, strugg- can't run, but he can throw a, throw a damn good line out, and he can hook a ball, and he can push in a scrum a bit, and then you go, do you know what? That's all we need from you, because yeah. like you say, if it's either that or we we lose someone else anyway and go down to fourteen. So, yeah, I. I'm sure, I'm sure World Rugby or they'll, they'll, they'll work out something. Up, I'm sure they will. Up, they'll yeah. come up with something. Yeah, because I mean, it's not as if there's more important things they've got to sort out first, but they'll definitely do that. Um, moving on to the red card. Look, 
I think we all thought as soon as it happened, we all thought, I, I, I kind of expected it to be yellow on the basis that, not because it should have been a yellow, but because I, you know, when you look at the other yellow cards that have been given in the tournament, so in the tournament and the mitigation reasons they were given, C- certainly, certainly towards the end of the tournament, like the, you know, Tom Curry's red, like first weekend, mm-hmm. everyone was like, ooh, oh, okay, that set the tone, yeah, and then week after week after week, you go, well, that's worse, and it's a yellow, and that's worse and it's a yellow and that's worse and it's a yellow. So I think, I think there was obviously, and they won't broadcast it. They won't admit it, but there was clearly some behind the scenes. Yeah, guys, we need to calm it down a little bit. Otherwise this is going to be known as the world cup of red cards. And and there would have been 30 probably red cards. If if they'd have have refed it all at that level of the opening weekend, um, there would have been a hell of a lot. And I would suggest quite rightly, they kind of, they they adjusted the barometer on the you know what's yellow and what's red mm. and they allowed a lot more mitigation than um than maybe they originally thought they would but it you can't you can't you, you certainly can't moan with with that one being a red uh, no i mean very, the, the, he was very upright very well, this, very this, upright. this is what i don't understand right and you know you look you look at, say, Eben Etzebet, who is one of the most aggressive, combative players. You've got... Anna, Pe- amazing. Yeah. Peter, like- Pe- Peter Steff Toy, right? Probably one of the all-time performances ever in a World Cup final. You know, you know everyone has great games. You know, there's always one or two people who have a great game in a World Cup final. But you think about the just the statistics alone for Peter Steff to toy. Was it 28 tackles? And then you think, how many of those were dominant tackles? How many of those were perfectly yeah, executed? Like, uh, Absolute boomers. And the one the one at the end for, I think it must have been the last 10 minutes where he he um, he hit uh, Ioni, I think Rico Ioni, um, as it was going wide, and they had, a, they had, a, they had, a, they had a, uh, an overlap. I mean, it totally stopped that attack dead. It, Gave it lift, South Africa it lifted, time. It lifted the South African team time yeah. after time after time, and at the same time deflated New Zealand. New Zealand. Yeah, uh, I think because every time New Zealand looked like they might have had a bit of a chance, you know, there was a really great offload or just a great miss pass or something, then someone would just come from nowhere and just smash the ball carrier. Yeah, or even if it was smash the ball carrier moment, like not late but hit them after the ball's gone. But that player was was done, was absolutely in bits, you know, on the floor, getting up slow. Jeez, have I got, have I got to do this again? You know, yeah. it's, and it's that, you know, and, and they definitely, definitely got in the heads of New Zealand and and kind of scared them, I think. I think, and, and obviously they're teams that play each other you know, a huge amount of times, three times, you know, three times a year in the championship. Yeah. Um, and they, they they know each other better than any sort of international teams really, um, but yeah, I think I think New Zealand were maybe a little bit shocked by uh, the hunger that that uh, that South Africa had. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, um, Moanga got absolutely nailed in the first half, and um, you could tell that he didn't do a huge amount for the rest of that first half. He was very very. Uh, 
at conspicuous uh, in his absence. Um, obviously, second half, you know, they had a, a moment of magic that um, set up a try that then wasn't, which we'll come back to in a minute. But the um, the Kane red card, going back to the, my point really, which is the fact that when you've got these guys like Detoy and Etzebet for the most part, who are able to bend and put dips in, and even Khaleesi with his yellow, right? He st- he was still attempting to put a dip in. Yeah, there, there, was, Kane, there was a good there was a good bit of dip. I've got no time now for any player, and this would go for Gloucester or England, whoever. Look, you've got you've had plenty of opportunities now to learn how to dip and how to tackle in this yeah. new world. Have, have you seen it, the um, the England tackle training? Where they I did see that with a little rope, a little string. Yeah. yeah. So they had a piece of rope at, at I don't know whatever level it was, kind of like mm. you're you average it was about chest rugby, height, wasn't it? it was yeah, about chest average, height. average rugby player nipple kind of level. And you had to hit the hit the pad, hit the bag underneath it. So mm. just it's part of the training. You know, you have to bend your knees, but you also have to dip. You have to get used to that body position. And obviously you can't be as powerful. No. You know, you, you're not going to smother as well. But that's what's required. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm sure something similar has been done you know, all across. In fact, I noticed actually at Long Levens on Sunday, we've just taken delivery of some new um, of the sort of tackle the tackle bags, the the sausages, if you like. Yeah. And they're really short. Like, Are they? <laughs> they're really really small. Like probably maybe three fifths the height of okay. of, a, of a regular one. Mm. Um, I'm yeah, a smidge more than half, but they are really small. And clearly, it's part of this new sort of tackle law. Where, you know, don't don't have a bag that's, I don't know, 170 centimeters high. Have yeah. one that's 100 because to hit it you have got to bend. And clearly yeah. that's that's something that uh, you know manufacturers of uh, of training equipment have co- cottoned onto and gone. Huh, I can sell you sell you some new stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be fair, this is the thing. I I just don't have any time for this this the the excuses anymore. Um, you know, you've had a number of years now, and every single time this happens, that that there's players and ex players and all the rest of it who moan about the game's gone soft. No, it hasn't. It hasn't gone soft. You just have to dip. You just have to tackle lower. Look, we appreciate that there is there are inherent issues and dangers by tackling lower. You know, where your head is near a player's hip. It, it, it is it is one of those things. But again, if your technique is right, that shouldn't be a problem. You know, if you do what the RFU did with their living image, which showed you the worst tackle technique in the history of tackle yeah. techniques, yeah, that will be a problem. Let's get concussed. Yeah, exactly. But if you if you can if you have a good tackle technique and you hit low and upwards, you will create the force and you will create those dominant tackles, and and it will will be good. Um, but also, but, I think I think by bringing the tackle height down. Obviously, it's you know centered around head injury and concussion injury, but but actually it it does allow a little bit more of the offloading game and potentially that kind of that you know that ability to be able to offload a little bit easier and the smother tackles a lot harder to do. Yeah, and that that surely just makes for a more exciting, more exciting game. That's going to be you know nobody nobody likes seeing. A player being held. Well, obviously we do when we're defending, but mm. um, a player being held up, you know, and it's, oh, use it. I know full well you can't. Um, oh, turnover, scrum. That's like boring. 
what you want to see is you want to see offloads, you want to see running rugby, you want to see a great, a, you know, a really big, good legal tackle that results in a jackal or results in a knock-on because the, of the impact strength and stuff like that, and then and then counterattacks. But yeah, I, I can see the smother tackle, which a few years ago was was a huge part of the game. I can see that becoming so much less because it's just not worth the risk. Yeah, the risk the risk of it now is is just so too high. One actually thing actually talking about the the mall, and it was something I did see, which it, it's an interesting point, um, and I know that um, it's been raised before around the final mall of the game on Saturday. So uh, New Zealand have got the ball; uh, they've turned it over from the scrum. Uh, oh, no, I think actually it was South Africa, wasn't it? it was South Africa actually had, had got the ball, and they basically mauled it, and they didn't care at that point that they were going to be held up. So there was no incentive for the South Africans to get the ball to ground because the game's over. Um, and it was an interesting, it was an interesting dynamic. And the fact that actually in those situations, when you've got, when you've got a team who has absolutely no incentive to play the ball and the only penalty is the ball gets given to New Zealand, but by the way, the game's over. That's a really weird situation. It's very rare you see it, but it was just it yeah. was an interesting, so, an interesting so dynamic Zealand, with that. New Zealand desperately need their hands on the ball. They can't give away a penalty because that'll end the game. They can't allow the referee to say you've stopped them all because that will end the game. Yeah. So you kind of have to let them all carry on towards your try line. Yeah. But at the same time, try and squirrel your way through that mall and get your hands on the ball. Also make sure that South Africa don't just walk into touch. Yeah. And, it's and honestly the one of the weird... When you think about it, it was such a really weird ending to a game and to a World Cup. But actually what it was basically resulted in was South Africa had the ball, but didn't want to do anything with it. And the laws of rugby allowed them to just kind of almost stand there for, yeah. for as long I mean, as they wanted to. There's There's been a, there's been a bit, um, you know... Of of that kind of last few minutes of a game, pick and go, pick and go, pick and go, just to wind the clock down. Um, and referees, have, you know, in that situation, are really good at reminding teams, oh, oh stay yeah, on your feet, up. don't yeah. seal off, um, because they know exactly what they're trying to do. They're just trying to go. Th they're they're going to use up as 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 many seconds as possible every ruck, and then give it to another front row guy to smash it in concede five metres, go to ground, and again and again and again. Um, and, it, you know, I think, was it Argen that did it to us um, yeah. in the Cup years ago? And I think they wind, wound down about seven minutes or something. And they did it with incredible accuracy. And I just thought, bloody hell, that's good. Um, and and I think we're kind of... We're, we we had a lot of that and we kind of moved away from it and teams are just kick it deep, just kick it deep and we'll defend. And maybe we're going back to a little bit of a little bit of that because teams have now developed and they're not going off their feet because it is a big risk potentially to to have the ball and give away a penalty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what I would think is say, I think Snowy made a good point while we were on our on our WhatsApp group, which was you know, a final is always going to be tense. It's always going to be close or it's often quite close, but it wasn't the most exciting game of rugby. I think we probably missed out there on a, on a, on a good game of rugby, partly because of the red card, because that did change the dynamic. It meant New Zealand had to play a little bit more reservedly because they couldn't afford to go wide, lose it. And South Africa would have a, a great opportunity to counterattack. Um, 
but it it did it, it, it I'm not saying it was a disappointing game because it was a very it was a very engaging game for people because it's a World Cup final. It finished within a point. It was all the way to the end in terms of what the result it, could be. It was one for the rugby purists, I think. Yeah, it, it, um, it was. It, it, wasn't it wasn't a like... game. Wasn't a game that if you were relatively new to rugby and you know had been been excited and entertained by some of the other by some of the other games uh, during the during the tournament during the competition, mm. um, you know, it was. It was a bit more old school, a bit more gritty, and I kind of like like you know I don't think anyone was expecting a wonderful spectacle of a final because a final is absolutely like nobody cares that you played the best rugby in the world but lost. It's all about winning, and yeah. if you win three nil and all the all the press say that you were shit. Nobody cares because <laughs> you've won, and it yeah. is absolutely it's absolutely all about winning. Yeah, exactly. I mean, just as a final, we will review the World Cup um, maybe next week uh, more generally about whether we think it was a success, whether we think it was good. You know, generally. Um, but I think, as I said, it, it's um, there's a lot to dislike about South Africa. Uh, as a as a rugby nation, um, there's lots of elements of it which I'm not a fan of. However, one person who I do have a lot of respect for, and I do think I I I, I will always say is up there now with what, as one of my favourite rugby players is Sia Khaleesi. Um, I thought again the leadership he showed throughout the tournament, but also at the end of the game, um, magnanimous in victory, which I think is a is a, is a really an important thing to have. But um, at the end of the game, for those who didn't see it. Um, Chesley, Chesley Colby obviously got yellow carded. Um, so the last yeah. 10 minutes were 14 v 14. He was Und basically on the, underneath his jersey. Yeah, you know, you could tell it was emotional for him. Um, you know, uh, he, he took a chance. It didn't pay off. Um, or did it, you know? Well, or did it maybe. But but one thing I would say is if you haven't seen it, the moment that the final whistle goes, Sir Khaleesi, what he does is run to the touchline and embrace Chesley Colby. And I, I mean, I'm sure they're mates, and I'm sure you know there's there's an element of uh, of, of brotherhood there that probably transcends rugby. You know, let's be honest, it's South Africa. There's a lot of history that goes with with black players and and um, and, and South African rugby. But I thought that to me showed an element of leadership and uh, what a captain should be about is the guy is running over to say, "Look, we've won. You did your bit." Um, I, it just it just summed up, I think. Um, yeah, and he, he said something else, didn't he? He said um, he he's come out because there was some um, some issue with one of the New Zealand players not shaking the president's hand. He didn't sh shake Macron. Oh, hand. I think it was one of the Barretts, was it possibly? There's three. Yes, answers, isn't it? yes, yeah. I think it was, and and it, it that wasn't the case. It was just a case of you know the camera was panning, and then when it panned back, it was, yeah. The handshake had already been completed, and but the way it looked a little bit, yeah, yeah. Um, on the live feed, it looked like he'd kind of shunned Macron, and I'm not shaking your hand. And Khaleesi made a point um, of of kind of stating, no, 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 you know, Barrett's not like that. That's not how it was. He's a really good guy. Um, it was just a case of, you know, it, it wasn't picked up on camera, um, and I think. You're absolutely right, Ed. I mean, he's 
he's cl- he clearly gives it absolutely everything. Hmm. And it's really interesting, actually, that, you know, as a player, as, as the captain, um, he gets substituted quite early in games. Hmm. Although and, not, interestingly, not on the final. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, this, this is, this is part, of the, part of the plan. This is what happens. Um, and he is very selfless. He's, he's um, a real, um, yeah, a really real quality player and someone that I think, you know, aspiring, aspiring captains should absolutely look up to and look at his behaviours and think that's what I want to emulate. Well, yeah, I just think back to when um, Francois Pinot first came to uh, play for Saracens all those years ago and his first ever game uh, at King's Home for, uh, well, he, not his first ever game, but his game, his first appearance at King's Home for Saracens. Um, I do remember distinctly there were lads, a couple of lads who chanced their arm before the game when he was in during their warm up and uh, went over and asked for an autograph. And rather than sort of shoo them away and, you know, he, uh, he sort of signed one and all of a sudden there was about 20 kids around him. And, and you know, Francois Pinar was, he didn't have to do that. He could have said, oh, I'll do it after the game. And and I and I know I know for a fact that after the game, he was signing autographs for uh, an hour or two. You know, these guys who you look up to as as young kids, Khaleesi is a perfect example, someone who absolutely is a, is a role model um, and is someone who I think exudes all the, 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 the characteristics we would like to see um, from a rugby player, a hard, uh, you know, tough competitor on the pitch, doesn't really give an inch, um, has a whinge. You know, he's, he's, he's not immune to a whinge to the referee, but at the same time is respectful. And also at the end of the game is very much a case of shake hands. That was, you know, it was a, it was a good battle, but we're, we're going to be mates now. And I have to say as well that, that his, his, the way that he, st- um, he stepped up and, um, you know, Cave gave a call for Tom Curry with, for the abuse that he received over the last week and a bit, uh, following the incident with or the alleged incident with Bongi in the semi-final. Again, another element, another another descri- another example of I think of a of a really top bloke. And um, uh, yeah, so a big full full credit to Khaleesi, the uh, only the second man to ever lift the World Cup twice. So um, congratulations to him. Congratulations to South Africa. Um, we will just quickly talk about the England-Argentina game. Now, Jim, both of us were watching the Gloucester game at the time, so I don't think we saw a huge amount of it, if yeah, anything at all. Yeah, I, I got home and um, wanted to watch it. Mm. Uh, my virgin box, for some reason, hadn't recorded it <laughs> um, because it's, it's, it's not a TiVo, and my old TiVo box just recorded absolutely anything with rugby in the title. Uh, <laughs> So I got a lot of weird stuff, but I never missed a never missed a game on playback. I assumed it would be kind of available on demand, and it wasn't, which nope. I thought was a bit shit. Um, no, actually, that's a lot shit. Yeah. Um, but good old VK. Um, so, I, <laughs> so I smashed it on because I had a, I had a house full of teenagers. It was um, Max's belated birthday party because yeah. Um, Previous matches he couldn't do because of school rugby. So um, I had uh, I had a load of uh, teenage boys uh, watching that. So I left. The, well, I watched the first half with them, and then left them to it. And they were filling their faces with Pringles and <laughs> celebrations and such like. Um, but yeah, to be fair, I didn't really absorb much of that game. 
No. Um, but I think it was just... It's a weird game, isn't it? It's, it's a, a weird game. game. Nobody wants to be there. It's, it's, it's two losers that are pissed off yeah. that they've lost. And I think we'd all benefit from, and maybe we'll talk about this, maybe next week's pod for me to have a review of the World Cup and, and talk about the next one with the 24 yes. teams rather than 20. Um, yeah. But I think we'd all rather have like a, a shield or a bowl or a plate final rather than a, a meaningless game. Yeah if, yeah, if there's something... I mean, that's the thing. We'll, we'll talk, we will talk in a bit more detail about this idea around having a, a plate or a, a, um, et cetera for those teams that are, you know, aren't going to ever challenge for the tournament. I think that as long as there's something meaningful other than just necessarily a trophy, because a trophy is a trophy is a trophy, that's great. But I think there should just be something meaningful to, to, to yeah. for those teams. I mean, uh, in boxing... You have two bronze medals, don't you? They, they don't. Yeah, because because I think it's cruel. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but but you know, I suppose in a, in a lot of other sports there are you know, bronze medal matches. Um, and that yeah, there and are. But everyone if you, hates. If them. you've won a bronze, you're probably pissed off with it at the time. But actually, I don't know. I mean, I'd be happy with one. I mean, to be fair, England and England. You know, England had never won a bronze before, so I suppose it's something new. Um, I, I I felt that it was a weird game, and it, and I I watched it back, and it, it kind of showed the limitations of what we've got available as it stands. There's players who are now retiring and leaving the game, leaving the international sp- the game. Um, I think it was nice for some players to get a w- on the winning side. That's you know, it's good. Um, you know, whatever we Arund- think of Arundel got a chance. Yeah, I mean, did Ooh. he touch the did he touch the ball? Um forty eight minutes, was it? Uh he, yeah. He, he got the ball, he got given the ball. He nobody passed to him. Owen said no. don't pass him the ball. So nobody no. passed him the ball. No. And then um yeah, like I saw some of the some of the ratings. He got two out of ten. I was like, ooh. Because the, the issue bad. being is that he is not. I mean, let's be fair. He played fullback for London Irish. He was not. A, he is not a winger. He was never really a winger for London Irish. He played fullback, um, and I think positionally, if you look at someone like May um, or Daly or Maylins, etc., their style of wing play is very much in the mould of the Eddie Jones style, which is to go and look for work. Whereas yeah. if you look at, say, Will Jordan for New Zealand. Jordan will stand out on the wing and wait for the pass and wait for the play, which probably on in the finals a bit of a de- to his detriment because if you looked at the other winger for New Zealand, Talea, he had a storming game because Talea is in that May mould. He'll look for work. He's got great feet um, and and he, he drives on. And it, therefore, you know, if you're looking at if you're watching your wingers and you're going, oh, you know, who's had a better game? Um, it's, they, it's, uh, it's the person. It's the person that the commentators mentioned. That's exactly person, that, yeah. Arundel, you know, Arundel's if Arundel's job is to stretch the stretch the pitch and to give the, the centres space inside, I could do that. Done. Well, yeah, I mean, I just yeah. stand out there in a white shirt, going, "Oh, look at me, I'm really wide." Yeah, but to be fair though, Jim, it's it, there's also got to be an expectation that if he does get the ball, he's going to do something. Which oh, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not going yeah. too harsh there, Jim, but. Well, they, um, they, 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 I wouldn't stretch the defence at all. <laughs> they'd be able to catch me up in half a second, wouldn't they? Yeah, well, quite. I mean, in your prime, I reckon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah my prime. Thanks. Twenty years. Ago. <laughs> um, but no, like I, I. So it's difficult to judge. I, I, I think I agree with you, though. I think 
let's be honest, we, we've got to be moving away from this third, fourth playoff. Particularly when you think the amount of rugby these guys are playing, the intensity they're playing game. at, it's just a pointless game. No one really needs it. Let's get rid of it. Um, we've beaten the Argentinians. We've got a bronze. Let's let's do it now. We don't need any more. Um, so, yeah. Um, what we will do now is we'll pause. We'll come back and talk about the real fun of the weekend. God. Uh, which was the Gloucester Saracens game, which I'll be controversial, uh, mainly because Russ isn't here because he'll just want, he, he, uh, this would have wound him up so much. But I'm going to be controversial and say we weren't as bad as I think many may have thought we were, or I might have even thought we were on Friday night, um, and uh, discuss what went wrong. Hi, this is Mark Atkinson, and you're listening to the Cherry Jam podcast. Right, uh, Friday night, uh, Gloucester played Saracens at home, um, and um, there was a, an expectation that we might be able to do something. Uh, Saracens had lost their two previous games, including an absolute hammering away to Exeter. Gloucester were unbeaten um, in preseason and in the league, um, so there was a bit of an expectation that we might be able to do something. And for the first 20 minutes, it was looking quite good. And then it all fell apart pretty quickly. Um, and Saracens ran out 24-3 winners. Um, Jim, as you and I were the only ones there, uh, I think it's probably quite useful, actually. We are. Um, well, we, we were almost the only ones there, actually. Yeah, it was 10,500 crowd, which probably to be expected with England on terrestrial TV. Yeah, but I think there were a lot of season ticket holders because yeah. I mean, to give you an idea, so where I sit in the in the grandstand, it was absolutely rammed around by us, which is all season ticket holders. Yeah, um, and the same, the same with me outside. in the shed. You know, yeah. it was it was all the all the season ticket holder regulars were 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 around me. Mm. Um, I'm not sure that they sold a huge amount of extras. The whole no. Halloween, the whole Friday night lights, all that stuff. I'm like, yeah, but there's another Friday night lights against Bath in two weeks. It's like, it, it's not, um, it's not an unusual event to have a Friday night game. And actually, on this occasion, it was an unnecessary event. It wasn't on TNT. No. And it clashed with an England game. Yeah. Why? I mean, th- why yeah. was it not three o'clock on Saturday where it wouldn't clash with the World Cup? I don't, yeah. I, don't, I, don't I know. Care. I agree. And, and and people and people probably would have enjoyed going along, watching the Gloucester game and then going, okay, well, we're going to go to town or we're going to go and do something else watching the... I mean, Gloucester could have even said, you know what, we'll put on a thing and we'll have it, you know, watch the final. Regardless of who's playing, you can watch the final at the ground. Yeah, I agree. It was a missed opportunity. I think it was... I'm not entirely sure what the thinking was or whether there was the expectation that it was going to be a a live game. Um, But yeah, really odd. Just very odd about it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, how many TNT games were there? Were there three, uh, like normal? Yeah, I think it was three. Believe three. I didn't actually watch any of the others, which is most unlikely. But I yeah. know, the, the reason I say that is that maybe the Friday night game was going to be, and then TNT went, well, actually, we're not going to bother with that one because it clashes with England. We're going to do two on Saturday and one on Sunday. Yeah, I think that's probably what, what it might have happened. But, I mean, let, let's talk about the first 20 minutes. So, the first 20 minutes, I thought we played... Some decent oh, rugby, you know. Our was, scrum, it... our scrum oh, just yeah. absolutely made mince me of them. And mm. honestly, right up until half time, I was like, yeah, it's okay. Our scrum is absolutely on fire. We can't possibly lose this game. 
it was a thing of beauty absolutely well, superb to give you some context uh dear listeners that um my my dad uh was was having to sit somewhere slightly different to where he normally does because uh he, he's just had a knee up um and um he was talking to some saracen supporters behind him and he said who's your loose head because he's getting absolutely stuffed and when they turned around and said it's mako he was like really that's not no come on that's that's got to be one of the younger ones isn't it he went, no that's that's macabunapola i don't think i've seen a player have such a bad game and still win which is remarkable but he he was absolutely draft he was out on his feet after 10 minutes he couldn't he was he was being murdered by Kirill. um he gave away well, he got simbind and let's be honest he probably should have been sent off oh absolutely absolutely that should have been a red card yeah. and um, later on, there was blatantly a penalty that ended up being a turnover because I think the referee went, "Oh shit, it was Mako. I can't blame him for it." Yeah, because that would be a second yellow. That'd be a second but yellow. We'll come it, on to that. Yeah, I just thought I thought it was it was remarkable how bad Mako was and how really I mean, fair play to Kirill and Jamal um, and George in the front row. They they absolutely murdered murdered. Uh, Saracens, and I think yeah, as you're right, as you right to say, the expectation is when you get such a dominant pack in the scrum, it's almost like you can't you can't go wrong. We, well, we're gonna we're crass. I mean, even if every we time we make a mistake, yeah, oh, we knock it on. It's okay because we're gonna get the ball back in as, as a penalty anyway. Yeah, and we we tested that to its absolute limits within the first twenty minutes as well because we then realised our lineout was crap. And that when I say crap, absolutely apocalyptically bad. Well. I'd say hats off to Saracens yes. because actually they they got up. I think there was one kind of, I can't remember what point it was in the first half. Clearly they jumped across the line yes. because he landed pretty much on top of our scrum half. But, you know, fair play. Saracens are the best team in the world for getting away with shit. <laughs> um, like they were offside the entire first half and then obviously there was a word said, so first penalty of the second half was Gloucester being offside. It's like, yeah. <laughs> they're not, they're not going to be offside all the second half because you've asked them to look for it now. Um, but yeah, it's like our line out, oh, it was painful. It, it really was painful. Was, and what was more painful than our line out was the fact that every time we had a penalty, we kicked into touch. <laughs> we had a five metre penalty <laughs> Because of the I mean, line-out infringement or whatever it may have been. I was like, right, we've got a scrum that is making absolute mincemeat of the opposition. So what are we going to do? Oh, we're going to kick in the corner. I'm like, yeah. absolutely brain-dead decision-making, right? And I don't know, I don't, you know, I'm assuming that was Ludlow. And I'm assuming it wasn't based on anything other than every time we're in this area of the pitch and we get a penalty, this is what I've been told to do. Because the game, once you've lost a couple of line and literally just a couple, and you go, oh, do you know what? We're we're, we're getting we're getting worked out in the line out, but our scrum's amazing. Yeah. What do you do? You go, well, we'll have a scrum, please, sir, and then you get a penalty, yellow card, push over, penalty try, another yellow card, brilliant. I just can't. I can't comprehend. No, I I think the or, one, the, or yeah. you just kick the bloody goals. Yeah, like, the, the, the I one I didn't you... understand, the one I didn't understand was the one right at the end of the first half. I think there was two or three which were in that corner, and I thought I can understand going for the line out because 
a scrum in that position, it's actually if if as long as you sort of lock out, you can lock out and hold out, it's a pretty easy thing to defend because you just you know where they're going to go. They're going to go. Well, from Gloucester, from Saracen's point of view, you're going to see Gloucester are going to go left. They're going to go left. You're left, so that you know it's going to be it's going to be a case of get spot your man, that's your man, hit that man, go. Um, but yeah, I agree that that the one at the end of the first half, why we didn't just go for the points, I don't know. But secondly, yeah, why we didn't try at least go for a scrum first, because as you said, the scrum was so dominant, the chances are you'll just get another penalty. Um, so if you do and then, get and then you go again and then you go again and they're on a warning mm. yeah I mean the 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 problem I think for Gloucester on Friday night and I'll, I'll I'll fully take your opinion here and if anybody else wants to sort of challenge me on this absolutely fine I'm not saying I'm right here but there were a couple of things you mentioned um, their line out Ezekiel and Tizard had absolute stormers I mean yeah it's my fault I yeah. talked down as I talked down Ezekwe before well, the game. I said he was a bag of shit. But Ezekwe, I don't think he's an international player. Ezekwe, I don't, I don't see that. But there, there are players who are supremely good in the club club game and just don't quite have it for international for whatever reason. But Ezekwe was superb. Tizard was brilliant. Hunter Hill at four was good. You know, they they looked, they just they just worked out our lineup really quickly. They looked bigger. I mean, fundamentally, they just looked bigger than our second row. Um, yeah, and and by well, quite a Mac, lot. Mac, Mako's like is a is a massive bloke, and he's he gets very tired very quickly, mm. uh, and and it's like some so you get some people that oh yeah you know he's a unit he's intimidating and then five minutes into a game you go Haha, all you have to do is have a scrum over here and then a scrum over there and he's done. Mm. Whereas actually a couple of those guys they're actually quite fit with it, aren't they? So yeah. No, I, I just, it was just frustrating from, from as, as a, from your point of view. I mean, let's be fair, we had chances. I mean, Zach Mercer, uh, for all of his greatness uh, in the first couple of games and even the, on, on Friday night, was a bit selfish. Um, it, it was probably just an easy pass to the right, and I think we were in. Yeah. Um, but when you make a decision, you go for it in that situation. You've got to score. And he, he, he knocked it on as we went over the line. That's a massive chance lost. And really... We didn't create a huge amount of really good sort of big chances, but we were in there 22 quite a lot. And the combination of the line-out, a lack of patience, mistakes, and let's be honest, Saracen's defensive structures, just it it, it built that pressure again and again and again. And we just get and, more and, and more at the same time, it And at the same time, Saracen's, kind of get buoyed with that. Yeah, great defence boys, you know, and they have that running around like they've just won the World Cup, kind of mm. patting each other on the back because they've just created a turnover on the five metre line. Yeah. And you go, oh, you bastards. And then, <laughs> and then you know, and then boom, they had some massive, massive kicks. They kicked it really, really deep. And, and then, you know, with our pretty poor... Um, pretty poor attack we we had to really work really really hard to to get back up there obviously we win a penalty kick it kick it deep lose the line out and and repeat so yeah i mean hopefully there will be some massive learnings from that and that's that's kind of all i can hope is that um that george and the team have analyzed it they've worked out what went well 
because you know there were a couple of bits that you know were all right, and they worked out who 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 wasn't doing what they should have been doing properly, and you know we're we're still at that early stage, aren't we, of the season? So there's there's plenty of time to fix stuff. Yes, but but as as Snowy kind of alluded to a couple of weeks ago. It's this point in the season we need to be grabbing points. We grab we we possibly got two wins from games where we may have lost. Certainly, certainly how close um, the Quinns game was, we absolutely mm. could have lost that one. Um, I think Newcastle are probably going to be finishing bottom. They don't look particularly great at the no. minute, um, but still to go there in those conditions and come away with a win, fantastic. We're going to need to be better. We're going to need to be a lot better and sail off the back of a big loss uh, against Exeter. Sail are going to be wounded. You know, are they going to are they going to be refocused and back on it, or you know, are they not that good? Yeah, I, don't it's, really know. It's... I haven't seen a huge amount of sail this season. Well, I mean, so the first couple of weeks they looked really good. I thought they looked very, very combative. The sort of what we come to expect now, really, under Sanderson um, with Sale. But what's interesting, and you look, you kind of referenced it there, is that probably with the exception of Newcastle, who do look a, a poor side compared to everybody I think else. They're, they're, a, they're a cheap side, aren't they? I mean, yeah. we, we know about the financial issues that Newcastle have got and talking about taking voluntary uh, relegation and becoming a championship side. So clearly they're not paying... Fully to the to the cap. I would have be yeah. I'd be amazed if they're paying up to the cap. But... So so yeah, you know, they are going to be a little bit weaker because it's not like they've got a draw. Otherwise, it's not like you know you you, you might be willing to go and play for one of the other clubs, your, your Northamptons or your Leicesters for a little bit less money because because of the chance of silverware and yeah, you know, nice place yeah. you know or, or living in London or whatever, but. Yeah, I mean they've got. To be fair, they've got a couple of Argentinians to come back, haven't they? Um, but that's about it. Yeah. There's not a huge. Yeah, Rad- Radwan is quality. Radwan's um... quality, yeah. But he's a winger, and there's only so much you can do as a winger. Um, yeah. You know, you you can't you can't really influence games in the same way that if you've got a ten, you know, a good good ten in a in a poor side. But I, I I think with the exception in Newcastle, it is very close. I mean, look, Leicester hammered. But oh, sorry, Leicester. Uh, sorry, didn't hammer. Leicester beat Bath in the hammering rain in an absolute horrible. Uh, uh, those people that condition. paid all that money to go in that but, fantastic grandstand. I know. Well, we've we've mentioned before about how much oh we've done that place. God, is, but Jesus just, Christ, uh, that was proper steroids weather. That it was, was horrible. Absolutely. Yeah. But and, you know, and look, pitch and and actually, you mentioned the game. Yeah. Um, the penalty that was given at the end of that game yeah. for Leicester to win it. I mean, how the Bath captain didn't come into the referee and say, "Really, like, penalise the groundsman, don't penalise us," because that pitch yeah, just awful. was destroyed underneath the props' feet, and he yeah. pinged them for for like being off their feet, and it's like, yeah, but but my feet just went through the bog. <laughs> that was. That's really, really harsh. Yeah, I agree, and 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 it, you know we shouldn't really feel sorry for Bath, but it was no, no, never. I, there, there, there was there was an element of um, yeah, that's that's a bit <laughs> uh, yeah, a bit rubbish. Um, I I just think with the going back to Gloucester, so the 
the league is going to be, I think, a lot tighter this year. I don't think it's going to be, a, you're not going to have, uh, a Saracens pretty much had, had, we're going to finish top by about week 10. Um, I, I think this year it will be a little bit tighter. I think everyone has got the ability to beat everybody, probably with the exception of Newcastle. Uh, but don't worry, Gloucester will prove that wrong, I'm sure, uh, later in the year. But um, I, with, with the game on Friday night, there were a couple of things that really stood out to me. One, Saracens really attacked the Rucks. Um, more so than most teams do at, at the moment, because because of the the dangers of of um, of giving away penalties, most teams are a bit more standoffish at rucks. Yeah, a bit more reserved, and they reserved. Pick, yeah, they, they they pick their battles, don't they? Exactly. But Saracens were really really good at competing at pretty much most of the rucks. That then inherently slowed the ball down. It didn't help that Varney's pass was. I don't know. It just felt. It just looked slower on on Friday night. And I'm and, I, and he's, he's someone I think has actually been. Uh, very good so far this season and, and and every time he's played he's looked very snappy he just looked slow on Friday night um, Saracens then blitzed I mean they, they really did blitz certainly outside centre they clearly knew what our patterns were going to be um, and then it, but then the problem was George Barton was so deep that any blitz didn't even have to be that good because the centres were basically had somebody in their face by the time Barton got the ball let alone by the time they, he looked to pass the ball um, that's not a criticism, Martin. It's just his style. We've got to work out another way of, around this. And then finally, um, the other, oh, we mentioned the line out already, but the other aspect I think was when Gloucester tried to go to plan B and there's been a criticism about, we don't have a plan B. Well, we clearly do. Plan A is to try and play more exciting, more attractive rugby with through the hands. Plan B is box kick. That's perfectly acceptable. I'm not going to moan that that isn't a good plan B. It's just Saracens are much better at at that than us. And it was... yeah, box kick come like with a box kick. It's got to be a good box kick, and you've got to get some chase. You've got to yeah. pressurize. Um, that's where Johnny May, you know, was fantastic. Yeah. In that, in that semi final, you know, you you run up and you get up there. You compete for the ball, or you just compete to to knock it back. And we didn't have any of that. We no. we were just kicking in the ball, and yeah. then they would kick it back deeper and better. Yeah, it would just and that's that that's my that's a disappointment. It's just the fact that we we clearly have got another option there. It just didn't work, and sometimes that happens. And sometimes, and I'm not saying Saracens played particularly well, but they were the better side of the night. I think Gloucester had a lot of opportunities. Certainly, second half. You think about how many times we got in the twenty-two. I think we got in the twenty-two six, seven times. Oh, the, the, which... the conversion rate. The conversion rate for the two teams. Well, like... Saracens got in our, in our twenty-two. I think five times and came away with points every single time. Yeah, and the first the first two tries they got were just just like oh god, yeah. you know. Like I mean, the proper, second trial proper... was just a freak, wasn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah, it was proper bounce of the ball, and that's where, why I'm kind of thinking. Ah, It'll be okay, you know. Yeah. Like scrub it off. It doesn't really count. They haven't earned that one. No. But, but of course, it's it's points on the board. You know, it's yeah. And, and exactly. It, you you've got to you you give away seven points. Well, now you've got to score fourteen. And did you want to? Did you want to have a chat about the ref? I mean, I thought the ref was fine personally, but did you want to have a conversation about some of the decisions that were made? I'm. I wasn't particularly. Um, I, I didn't have any major issues with the referee. Uh, my friend, who I foolishly sold Emma's spare ticket to, who stood behind me, um, he has issues with the referees, um, but he doesn't understand the laws of rugby. So, <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I didn't think it was massively problematic. I think the issue was, and I actually, I, I'm, 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 um, the, the, the Mako yellow card, I'm going to yeah. award that to me because I shaped, I started the TMO chant in the shed. Um, and clearly that resulted in TMO and the referee having to think about maybe I should look at something. So uh, it's it's hard. It's it's like you've got all the top refs that are at the World Cup, and yeah. I I guess they're not going to be playing um, or you know, playing um, officiating next week because they'll have a rest week. Yeah, would, which is speak. fair enough. Yeah, um, I mean Luke Pearce isn't in bugger all for three weeks, so he can. Yeah, do it. I mean he's. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm I'm a bit surprised actually because I really I think Luke's number two really after after Wayne and yeah. to not be involved at all. I don't I don't get that, but. Obviously, there's only room for yeah for the three on the pitch and and, and Tom in the Tom in the box. Although the, the the bunker ref, I'm not. Do you know who the bunker ref was? When for the for the final, uh, bunker ref was. Oh no, I don't know the bunker ref. Foley the was bunker, the TMO because Tom Foley who... was TMO, mm. and the bunker ref is like supposed to be a another, but they don't kind of add them to the. To the listings, so I, I wonder if maybe that could have been. Um, I don't know. I mean, but, but that, that's another that's another issue as well. Of course, we've been so used to the bunker system in the World Cup, but obviously that's not something that's happening in the in the Premiership. Whereas I think if that had been a bunker decision, Mako would have gone. There's absolutely no chance in a million years he would have stayed on the pitch. He, he would have been 100 percent red card. Um, yeah, with, you know, with a bit more time to look at it properly and go, uh, yeah, actually there is no mitigation. No. And this, the mitigation this they were one. looking for was nonsense. Yeah, and and this is this is a thing. It's like, you know, my my understanding of the laws of rugby isn't as good as a professional referee, but when when there is you know, when when you're not allowed to have mitigation because it's always illegal. Yeah, you can't mitigate. No, and they seem to be doing that quite a lot. Again, I think I think you're right. I think the the issue seemed to be they were so just. Dis- I mean, it's again, it took a long time for them to make decision. Um. Maybe, you know, I think we've got used to it in rugby that how good the decision-making has actually been at times. Um, and, yeah, and, and, and to actually, a point, I... you know, sometimes when they get these ones wrong, I mean, I, interestingly, it hasn't been cited and it hasn't sort of got a further ban. So I suppose in that regard... Yeah, but then that's, that's, that's unlikely. If, if, it had been, if it had been dismissed, it would have probably gone to a citing. But the fact mm. that he was given a yellow, I mean, it's kind of one of those like, yeah, whatever. It's not, it's not really worth... It's not a feral... Clearly, yeah. Well, again, I mean, is it though? I mean, the Farrell one last year was was bad, but I thought the Vunipola one it was more force than that. Oh yeah, a huge amount of force. Um, and for me, it, it, coming from a, it was c- coming from a player that just knows he is nowhere near the form that he's no. had, and you know, he he's going to get. I mean, Billy's the same. I think Billy's. Well, I think I think Billy's gone. I think his his form's dreadful. His attitude seems to be pretty poor. Pretty poor. I mean, one thing I would say is we we have to be careful because there's a lot of issues around mental health and things like that. And look, Billy Billy's had a lot of problems in terms of injuries, and you know he got a late. He he was basically given almost a guarantee to get into the World Cup um, by Borthwick, and I I, it just seemed to be he just didn't want to be there. and, and and actually, it, it, there may be more underlying issues, and we've got to be careful because you know, look, look, I'm, I'm sure I, I don't think I'd ever ever criticise him. 
I'm sure he wants to play for England. He wants to perform, but you know, it may, maybe there are situations where actually it'd been better for him not to be there. Yeah. I don't know. Um, just just finally on on the Gloucester Saris game, do we? Are we just okay at sort of almost saying, look, it, it's one of those games. We don't, we shouldn't really read too much into it. There's obviously the line-out issue is a, a big one. We need to get that fixed. But it, interestingly, they, it was bad. It wasn't great under McGuigan and it wasn't great under Singleton. It wasn't as if the, it was the hooker who was really the fault. No, I, just think, no, I think I mean, it was the line-out operation. It didn't get yeah. any better, did it? Yeah. Um, and I I don't know. I, you know there's, a, there's a lot of hours in a week. And these guys, they don't train, you know, they don't train 42 hours a week, do they? You know, no. it, they, they've, they have a lot of, um, a lot of time for their bodies to recover and for their minds to recover, you know, you know, but I don't know. It's just one of those, like, surely, surely in the week you spend a few hours, a good few hours on the line out working out exactly what your call is going to be exactly how it's going to go mm. and one would hope that that's that's been the case you know after a poor weekend you're going to go back to back to the training ground right right we need to we need to do a bit of work on the line out yeah so hopefully the reason the line out was maybe not not as good as it should have been was because they were concentrating on other things other technical aspects of the game um Assuming that the line eight was all good, um, and obviously it wasn't, so yeah. they'll have reacted. They'll have done a bit of work on that, um, and then up at sale, it will be much much better. Uh, the proof will be in the pudding, and yeah. we shall see. But yeah, it's kind of glass is half empty, glass glass is half full, isn't it? Were we rubbish on Friday night, or have we been lucky the previous two weekends to come away with wins? Um, yeah, I think, and I and I think Sale is it's a real tough it's a real tough one because obviously they've come off the back of this big loss against Exeter. Traditionally, we've we have we ever won? Yeah, we won a couple of times. We won two years in a row, didn't we? But both of the games were like almost flukes. Yeah, um, I mean, I mean they Sale are a good side. There's no there's no messing about there, and yeah, I th- I, th- I think it's going to be a really really tough game. Um, yeah. And then obviously, and then obviously, then we've got Bath at home, which, you know, the social social media and I mean, Gloucestershire Live will be bigging it up, saying how mm. it's a big local derby and all the rest of it, which of course it is. You know, there there are hated, rich neighbours, um, but oh, it's like, like like you said, Ed. I think it's going to be a really really tight league, um, and. If you get into a losing habit, yes, then that could be absolutely massively detrimental. Whereas conversely, if you get into that winning habit, and you know, much like South Africa, winning by a point, winning by a point, um, if 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 you kind of get get into those, yep, the clock was on eighty six minutes, but they, they went back to for an illegal tackle, and we managed to win the game, even though half the crowd had left. You kind of. Those those are the games that kind of make you think, yeah, we, we are unbeatable. Um, so the one thing I'd say about the, the the next couple of games, so sale is an interesting one because I, I don't expect sales England players will be back. 
in any way, shape, or form. Gloucester haven't got have got one, which is Johnny May. Uh, he didn't play last weekend. Um, we'll obviously give him a rest. I mean, we're, we're mandated to give him a rest. Um, but there's other players. Obviously, we you know we, we've had a. It's difficult because the club don't announce the injuries, you know, and don't say yeah. who's injured, who's unavailable Zach for Mercer. selection. Zach Mercer is a biggie because obviously he went off injured. Yeah, it didn't look horrendous, but it but didn't you, look good. No, I mean, I think with, with with Mercer, I was surprised they actually even kept him on for the time they kept him on because look, yeah. he's clearly struggling. Let's get him off. He's going to be so important to us for the season. Why risk damaging his ankle and his lower leg even more? Let's just get him off. Get him. Get him on the bench got Jack Clement bring him on it's all good but people like you know Arthur Clark uh Louis Rissamit uh Ackerman um I think Hastings is going to be out for a while so we might as well just assume he's not going to be there but there's you know and then we've got the likes of Carreras Alamano uh I mean Vivas hasn't played much if, if at all for Argentina in the World Cup so You'd assume he'll be he'll be fresh and ready to go. Fresh and ready to go. Um, I, I think that there's there's certainly there's certainly a lot of there's certainly a number of players who are who should be able to come back and fit in. I would expect not against Sale, probably Bath. I mean, the Bath game is the one I think if you're going to basically have is get as many of these lads back in, play as what we would maybe deem our first choice. That's probably when we're going to need to do it. I mean, I, one thing I would finally finally say on the on the Gloucester game was. You know, people like Chris Harris very rarely have a bad game. And I thought probably that was one of his poorer games uh, for Gloucester. Not that he made any massive errors. No, but he just wasn't as dominant and it wasn't as effective as he normally is. And I think... And is that that fatigue? I think probably more likely... Mental fatigue, if anything, yeah. Yeah, he just hasn't been with with this squad for the last, you know, the last two months. So... He's just not on, not quite on the same wavelength. And no. in well, he hasn't played the squad since since last season. I mean, let's be honest; he would have yeah. gone away to Scotland, and that would have been it. He wouldn't have. Yeah. He wouldn't so, have. Yeah, so. so he, it's going to take him. It's going to take it. It's going to take anyone. Um, you know, a good a good few weeks to to reembed themselves, and you know, especially with um, with you know with, with some of the some of the youngsters. Like he played a lot with Seb last season, potentially. Mm. So. so He's got a you know good relationship there, but yeah, we're 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 mixing things up, you know. I mean, playing playing behind someone like Zach Mercer, who does stuff quite differently off the back of a scrum yeah. or off the back of a maul, um, it it does make life a little bit different, I would say, for for your centres that are constantly going, oh right, okay, the next ruck's going to be over there, not where I thought it was going to be, because he's done a little pirouette and ended up running over there. So it's, it's going to take a bit of time. Um, and, yeah. but, but you know, it will take time for everyone, for, for every team. Yeah. To and this re- is really great. All those players. I, I mean, I, you know, I think if people had seen our WhatsApp group on, on Friday, Saturday, I think they would have kind of thought, Christ, this lot of depressing. Um, and I get it, you know, look, it was really poor on Friday. It wasn't great. And I'm not, I'm not sugarcoating it. It wasn't, it wasn't great. I don't think it was quite as bad as some suggested. I think we did play some decent rugby at times. We just did not convert. Saracens did, and they did a number in the lineup, which meant we didn't have any go forward ball. I don't think it's anything to do with rotation. I don't think it's necessarily anything to do with selection. I think the only area we were lacking was second row. And that's partly potentially injuries and availability of players. Um, 
And as you say, Jim, it's really important to, to make the note, you know, Leicester, who had not won a game that's so far this season, picked up a win against Bath. Um, Sale had been going great guns, got absolutely hammered um, away to, uh, got nilled to Exeter. And that's twice now Exeter have done done a number on on two teams who last season were the um, top four. The fi- yeah. Well, top, top, they were the finalists. Yeah. You know, so let's, be, let's be honest, they were the two finalists. So I, I think that's, there's been some really silly things put on on X and social media about George Skivington and and I look, it's a bad it's a bad loss. We're not we're not going to gloss over that, but let's let's give the guys a bit of chance. Um, we, it's a long season. It's a very very different season because it's pretty much full on until February, um, and then we get a yeah, bit we, of a break. We've got a bit of a uh, bit of Challenge Cup thrown in, which yeah, ain't going to be any easier really. No big games, you know. You got uh, we've got um, obviously the the Georgian Black Lions. We've got um, Claremont. We've got Edinburgh. Um, you know th- these are big these are big games and big opportunities. We've got to um, let's just let's just take it as it as as we go. Um, right, final thing, Jim. Just this weekend, uh, obviously there's been this weird tournament over in in New Zealand, which I don't think is kind of really taken off maybe in the way that World Rugby wanted it to, which is the W15. Well, it's um, not just. Well, of course, it's not just. New Zealand is hosting the women's fifteen-one, whereas you've got women's fifteen-two yes. and women's fifteen-three. So I think uh, women's fifteen-two is in South Africa, and mm. women's fifteen-three is in Dubai. Right. And yeah. I think two and three started a week earlier than one, so I they think did. two and three have now finished. Yeah. Ireland. I'm trying to think now off the top of my head. Ireland beat Spain and therefore won. So I think they got promoted. Is that right? Well, I don't know. Yeah. Whether it's going to be promotion, relegation. It's one of those things. If, yeah, if Ireland have been again, promoted. So I've just looked, I'm literally looking as we speak. So, so Ireland have been promoted. Is that from three to two? That's from three to two. Yeah. Uh, uh, Kazakh, Kazakhstan, probably not because they were getting beaten like a hundred and something ridiculous to nil. So Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan uh, finished uh, fifth. Colombia finished bottom. Kazakhstan finished fifth. Kenya fourth. Spain third. Fiji second. And Ireland uh, won yeah, three out Fiji, of three. Fiji women are kind of catching up a little bit slow. A bit like South African women, actually. Yeah. They're, they're not... They're not massively uh, invested in, I think. And no, not it's, massively it, popular. Uh, but yeah. they, they are getting there. They are for yeah. sure getting there. And Whereas then in the two, Ireland are doing well. Yes, Ireland are well. They are now, but Ireland again massively underfunded. Huge problems within the RFU around the RFU around women's rugby and where they see it yeah. in the future. And and they, like they were very very slow to the party, but now yes. they're at the party and they're they've bought a buffet. Mm. Um, Samoa relegated from League Two. Um, USA with five points. Japan with five points. South Africa with five points. And Italy and Scotland both tied on fifteen. Scotland winning and getting promoted by a glorious two points, as in Ooh. game points. Uh, wow. Points difference points, of plus two. difference plus two. Plus two, yeah. I mean, as a, and as one a goal, more try. As a goal kicker, you'd be a bit pissy, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, and I will say, to be fair, if even if Scotland had, um, uh, sorry, even if Italy had got the uh, extra two points, uh, they wouldn't have um, overtaken Scotland because try, Scotland uh, had... 15 tries uh, Italy had 14 but in the 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 all important group one um 
which I, I can't quite understand this. So there's six teams, but you only play three games, which because obviously it makes perfect sense. Um, it's going to be, it's a straight shootout, really. Um, England are currently top with 10, New Zealand with six, and then Canada, Australia and France, five, five and four, Wales with zero. I think now, France are rebuilding a little bit at the moment. They are, and also, but France got a win against um, New Zealand in their second, in their first game, um, eighteen seventeen. England dominant, just destroyed Australia, destroyed Canada, and they've got New Zealand in their final game this Friday. Um, it's it's such a weird tournament, and I, there's no and real actually the, the, the times of it. I mean, obviously, well, it, what it's being played in New Zealand, so it's it's going to be stupid it's o'clock. Be early. But it's early on a Friday. So Australia v Wales is 6 a.m. on Friday. Well, yeah. Well, why are you playing a game on Sorry, Friday? Sorry, yeah, Friday. That's right, so it's, yeah. It's, that, that's, that, to me, that must be like a Friday afternoon, late It's a afternoon. Friday evening. It's a 7 o'clock. So actually, that your point there, Stan. So, um, it's, it a gets seven, it's a 7 p.m. in Australia. 7 p.m. New Zealand time kickoff. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. And then on the Saturday, sorry, France, Canada at four o'clock New Zealand time. So what's that? Five o'clock UK time or, or three o'clock UK time, I should say. 3 a.m. So 3 a.m. 3 a.m. Which... And then, yeah, then the England New Zealand game is on at six in the morning UK yeah. time. I'm like, okay. I understand that if you're playing games on the other side of the world, it means it's, it's breakfast. It's, but, yeah. But that's just like, you're not going to get. The only people that care in the Southern Hemisphere are New Zealand. I'm not Australia, maybe a little bit, but if if you want to get buy-in and fair play, ITV are streaming the games, so you yeah. can see them all on ITVX, and obviously you can watch it back. Um, and I I would imagine it's probably quite easy to have a social media blackout and not realise what the score is in the New Zealand England women's game. <laughs> they kicked, kicked off at six a.m. Yeah, that on Saturday morning you start watching at ten with your coffee and your pastry. But yeah, it's it's not. Um, I don't I don't think it's uh, captured the imaginations of you know of the the rugby uh, rugby viewers and the fact that it 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 clashed with the World Cup. It's like start it after the World Cup. Yeah, it's a bit like um, you know the Tour de France. The Tour de France is all finished, and then and then they go ah, but do not worry because now we have the Tour de France Femme of Swift. You know, it's like you have one competition, and that competition's done, and don't worry, there's still a bit to watch on the telly. Well, what they did is they kind of overlapped it, so you go well, uh, I ain't gonna yeah. I ain't gonna get uh, away with and, watching and, even and... more rugby. And and obviously, I mean, again, not uh, the most unsurprising thing in the world. Crowd numbers dreadful outside of the New Zealand games, um, which is always going to be the case uh, because it's the other side of the world, and uh, you know, people don't travel for uh, they're playing in bloody the Cape Tin in in Wellington. I mean, what is pointless? Um, so yeah, that, I think it's a good idea in in I suppose in in some aspects because it's trying to generate that continuous interest in women's yeah, rugby. There's a league if, format. It's big. If, you know, it, was, if big... it was here, if it mm. was here next year, yeah. You know, if it was in France next year, yeah, or I'm even talking, yeah, even on Ireland, yeah, women's fifteen won. If it was 
you could you could play it you could play it in Wales. You know, play it in well, there's Wales. A, there's, a, there's enough stadia in Wales that are big enough to do. You know, you've got yeah. Swansea, 15, Cardiff, City, fifteen, twenty thousand pound, um, twenty thousand capacity stadiums. Yeah, brilliant, ideal for it. Yeah. Um, and obviously the the Women's Rugby World Cup that's coming to the UK. Yeah, Gloucester didn't get um, any of the any of the games, but then you look at the stadiums that did, and you go, yeah, but oh, too small. Okay, hopefully that will you know turn out to be a good decision because. They will sell twenty thousand plus tickets for those games. Um, it's obviously it's a shame because yeah. it would be great be, be great to be able to host it and me ride my bike to watch an international again. But yeah, that's the that's the growth of the game in in the kind of northern hemisphere. Uh, yeah, I, 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 a sensible time. Yeah, well, this is it. I mean, to be fair, we'll we'll we'll, we'll cover off um, the World Cup twenty twenty. Three. Seven. <laughs> oh, 27. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and what we're expecting as well it, and, and uh, in, in a couple of weeks' time. Um, and we'll also to cover off, obviously, it's announced today as we record uh, on the Tuesday that Johnny May is, in, is retired from international rugby. I want to make sure the other guys are, uh, are involved in that because, yeah, you I know... Yeah, I think Courtney... Is Courtney Laws already retired as well? Courtney Laws is retired. Um, I think, well, Ben Youngs has announced he's retired. Um, almost certainly Dan Cole, Joe Marler. Um, Not Owen he... Farrell, though. Well, there's interestingly, we'll we'll cover this when there's a bit more information about that. There is a rumor that Owen Farrell may be heading back to league. There was a rumor this, this afternoon. Really? I saw. Yeah. So apparently, the the um one of the Wigan Warriors players has uh, left. Obviously, it's now closed season in in rugby league. Um, has has left, and um, I think he's gone off to the NRL. So the there is a there are rumors. There are rumours that Owen Farrell potentially could be heading back to league. Now, obviously, if he does so, it wouldn't be till mid-season league, because obviously our season finishes uh, May June. Um, I would see that unlikely personally. I think I think it's um, Farrell's got enough probably in him for another year or two in in Union, and I was of the impression that he had one more year left anyway. Um, and and at... why why would you go and play for Wigan for? Like bus fare when you can play for Saracens for well or, fare. or play in France or Japan or yeah for yeah a bit more money. Um, interesting. The other one that's doing the rounds again, someone who's been mentioned as signing for Gloucester a few times, but it, I, I, I apparently noted his fact on Shedweb. So oh, I know. Um, is Will Stewart um of Bath apparently is uh has apparently signed, sealed, and delivered for next season and will be announced in due course. We'll wait to see. I mean, it's I think I've heard that rumor at least four times over the last three seasons. <laughs> so um we'll wait and see. But yeah, that is one of the early rumors that we've signed Will Stewart from Bath. But uh, we will cover that as and when that happens or doesn't happen. Jim, thank you very much for your time, mate. Appreciate it. Have a good week. We will not catch a problem. Up, yeah, I'm off to King's Own tomorrow as we record, so it'll probably Ooh. be. Too late oh, yes. to promote, but uh, Wednesday, that's tomorrow, as yeah. we're recording, uh, is Hartbury University as yes. opposed to Hartbury RFC versus Cardiff Met in the Bucks um, League. I assume it's I assume it's just a league game, mm-hmm. um, and it's the double header. So it's kind of the, the girls are playing at half five, and then the guys are playing at eight. So. I'm taking all my, well, I say all, hopefully uh, a good chunk of my uh, under-14s from Long Levens going down to watch it, um, try and pick up some tips. And I 
do know that the following Wednesday um, is UK Armed Forces. I think it's just the women, or it might be a double header again. Uh, I could be wrong. Okay. Um, um, so clearly, this is King's Own um, kind of being rented out. I know because um, there's the annual Tommy's versus Cheltenham College game as well. It's going to yeah. be happening in a couple of weeks. So I think we're kind of at that time of the year where there's lots of uh, lots of additional games at King's Home, which is really good. Obviously, the pitch can take it. Yeah. Uh, and they're just churning out tickets at like five, six quid a head. Um, so, you know, if you're somewhere local to, to to Gloucester and you fancy popping down just to get a bit of midweek rugby, um, yeah. Well, it could stand in Do for so. the, United, the lack of United games, if nothing else. Yes, yes. Yeah, so and, and, do you know, I, I used to really like those on a Monday. Mm. Um, and, and it was a, a really good opportunity. I'd sort of take take the juniors down and it, you'd notice there were a lot of a lot of kids there, uh, yeah. a lot of teenagers. And it's kind of one of those, if, it, if it's only going to cost, a, well, I think back then it was like a quid, wasn't it? Like yeah. a, quid for, a quid for kids. It's a, it's a throwaway amount of money if you... If you're twelve year olds into rugby, you go, right, here's a pound, get down King's Home, go and watch the game. Here's another pound, you can have a portion of chips. Whereas now it's maybe like here's twenty quid and you can mm. go and get to King's Home and have a portion of chips and a Coke. But it's it it's a lot cheaper than than going to watch a premiership game. And you know, it's 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 good to to watch live rugby. I think we yeah. should be embracing any any live sport or live anything, really, music culture whatever um in the city so good yeah, on Gloucester great. for hosting yeah no it's good and then there's one obviously we will we will um uh plug this in as well in uh, just over a month or just under a month i should say is um the live recording of uh, the inheritance book Pod- rugby inheritance podcast some roberts are good friend of the pod um and ed slater but also joined by uh, Sir Johnny Wilkinson. Um, so uh, I'm going to be there. I'm not sure if any of the other lads are going are, are to do it. It was quite steep. It was 25 quid a ticket. Um, and that was with a discount as a season ticket holder. So it was a bit... You'd, it, you'd, what... you'd think we'd get corporate, like um, <laughs> we, we, we get some sort of... Um, well, fellow podcast, we'll get some sort of media, yeah, press press credentials at this point. Uh, but um, I did laugh though, because uh, we, we, we did say we we're going to end the podcast a second ago, but my... Um, uh, my ticket is front row seat 24. So I might have been one of the first ones on. Oh, uh, yes. Hello. I'm really a big fan. I've got a question for you, Johnny. Do you want to come on my podcast? Yes. Um, <laughs> no, no. And, and, and I know you will ask him. A hundred percent. Do you know what, though? I, I, I think it'd be really interesting just because Johnny is obviously now done a bit of punditry hasn't he he's done, done a lot of work with itv mm. and and i would kind of i would love to get a bit of an insight into um obviously how much he... of a dick how much of a dick Clive Woodward is in... <laughs> <laughs> well yeah yeah that, that came across but but no because obviously john is someone that was practicing his goal kicking long after everyone else you know gone to bed all mm. that sort of thing and i wonder whether he'd taken that sort of mentality into his punditry and taking it very very seriously and i'm sure he you know he he came across as being well read and well versed on on players and such like so i i'd just be really interested on to kind of how you make that transition into being a player and then becoming a pundit because there are a lot of pundits and i probably include myself in that this <laughs> um that 
don't do any work at all and just totally wing it. And then there's people like you, Ed, that have notes and stuff in front of you that you refer back to and make yourself look like you know what you're talking about. Well, it, it, it's the only way, mate, because um, I could, <laughs> yeah. I can't, I can't wing it in the same way as you do. So, um, but no, yeah. I, so it, I, we will definitely plug it because it's a great cause. Um, it is for Ed, the for Ed charity, and also, um, you know, just be fair. Like we've all said this before. If there's, there's, there are rugby heroes and there are rugby heroes, and Johnny Wilkinson is probably in my top three rugby heroes of all time. Um, I've already had the opportunity to interview one of them, and that's Chris Catling. Um, I'm never going to get the opportunity to interview John Olumu, but um, I'd love to have a chat with Johnny. So that will be, uh, yeah, I will be, un- <laughs> I-, I will 100% be, <laughs> be, be badgering him and saying, can, Slipping him a business card. Can you, can you please come on our podcast? Oh, and by the way, it would be lovely if you could sign my England shirt because that would look really good next to my Jeff Hurst, Jeff Hurst one. Um, so, uh, yeah. Um, and, and you know you missed that kick, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, quite. We will remind him of that. Anyway, thanks again, Jim. Appreciate it. We'll speak soon. Cheers.